So how many of you have been to the prom? Raise your hand if you've ever been to a prom. For those that are listening on video in the future, Justin did not raise his hand. That's okay. I went to one prom, and I went to one prom simply because a girl that was a, a grade ahead of me asked me to go. And for some reason, she asked me, I'm not really quite sure why, and she was more of a popular girl, and I was kind of one of those in-between guys, didn't really seem to fit necessarily anywhere. And she asked me to go, and I got really excited about it. <clears throat> going to the prom, and just, you know, so go through the whole process of getting the talks and going through all that stuff, and, you know, getting, getting the plans together and, and begging dad for lots of money to go to an expensive restaurant. And there was a place in my hometown called the silo that was the fancy place where you could get a steak that was so tender that you didn't need a knife you just needed the fork and all that kind of stuff and so I was excited about it went through with all that had a great dinner with her and some another couple that went with us and and so we get to the prom and we go there and one of the first things that you typically do of course is you kind of get that that prom picture right Anybody still have any of those prom pictures lying around with you and whoever you went to the, to the prom with? And so we get the picture, and, you know, basically after that point, I did not see her for the rest of the night. She hung out with her friends, and again, I pretty much didn't see her for the rest of the night, didn't even have an opportunity to dance with her. So I guess I was just basically, I don't have a date. Here's some poor sap. Come with me. Get me in there so I don't look bad. I can hand the picture to my parents. And then I'm going to go hang out with my friends for the rest of the night. <clears throat> it was definitely not what I had expected the night to go. And when it comes to love, that's what we're going to be talking about for the next, next few weeks. There can be a lot of unmet expectations, if you will. And if there are any people, however, though, that should really understand what love is and what love looks like and what love should be, it should be us as believers. Now, love takes on a lot of different shades and different aspects to it. There's romantic love, agape love, and all this kind of stuff. It's a, such a huge and big word. But if there's any people that should understand what love is like, what love looks like, what love should be, it should be this group of people gathered here <coughs> as believers in Christ. And so I want to share with you in particular why I say that, because it should be our identity. In John chapter 13 Verse 35, Jesus shares this passage of Scripture that's really interesting. He says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you are my follower. This is how people can tell. It won't be because you wear Christian T-shirts or because you, you hold up John 3.16 signs at the Super Bowl this afternoon. It's not going to be because you dress up in your church clothes and you go here and do this. The way that they will know, that people will know that you are following me is simply this. Say these, these five words with me. If you, this means you have to say them with me, okay? I'll just, let me shoot the gun together. One, two, three. Boom. If you love 
one another. This is the identity. This is the description that people will see and they will know <coughs> that you are a follower of me. They will know by your love. That is the descriptor. That is the thing that is supposed to stand out above all else. But see, this is a topic we have to circle back to a lot over and over and over because I think, at least in my life, that this isn't necessarily always the descriptor that stands out. It's not the thing that sticks out like it should. I should be representing Christ very well by my love, but unfortunately, people don't always see that. Our identity, however, is this. And because it doesn't always look that way, others are trying to define who we are as Christians all the time from one bad experience after another that they've had with Christians. Rather than the identity being those are people of love, they say those are people sometimes of the opposite. They don't show that. When you talk to people in the service industry, sometimes they really hate having Christians, people, the church crowd, come to their table because they're the worst tippers. They're cheap. They hold back. They're mean. Take this back. You know, you're like, who are these people? These, that's, you know, if you would say Christians are the most loving people on the planet, it's obvious that they are. This is their identity. There would be a lot of people that disagree with that. Now, I'm not saying necessarily those of you in this room, we've all had those moments, I'm sure, but the church in general has a very bad perspective, at least in the U.S. at times, and we are not identified, unfortunately, with our love. A couple of neat quotes that I wanted to share with you. This is one I remember growing up hearing with a DC Talk song. If you ever heard the song, you'll know this quote. They say Kevin Max actually said it, but I thought he got it from somebody else, but apparently... According to this website, he did. And this is the quote. The the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Pretty interesting quote. Another quote from a guy that, from a really uh, big group called U2. This is a quote that Bono said. (laughs) He said, Christians are hard to tolerate. I don't know how Jesus does it. They're hard to tolerate. And And unfortunately, many times, I think that is the truth. Because the love that we're supposed to show is... A pure love. It's a unique and pure love that Jesus shows us in Scripture. And from the Old Testament through the New Testament, we see it described and shown over and over and over and displayed, particularly in the life of Christ. This is what love looks like. This is what love is supposed to be. This is how it acts in this situation, in this scenario. There is no lack of stories and teaching about love to make sure that we understand what our identity is. And quite frankly, it's a different kind of love than the world knows. The world would say love looks like this, and the Bible would say, and Jesus would show that love looks like this. 
And Jesus is always pointing out those differences to us to make sure that we've got the real thing, that we're acting out love the way that he intended. And he shares this scripture as an example. In Matthew chapter 5, this is what he says. This is the kind of love that is to describe you. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The world, when they consider love, is not someone that's going to want to love their enemies. What do, what do we want to do to our enemies, typically? We want to blow them up. We want to get back at them. We want to do all these things. But he says, I say to you, love your enemies and then pray for those who persecute you. The very act of praying for someone that you can't stand is difficult. To be kind, to love someone that you don't like is so difficult that Jesus says, that's what you're supposed to do so that you may be, say this with me, sons of your father who is in heaven. Sons look, sons look like their dad. Children look like their parents. I can see that in you. I can see, oh, you look like so-and-so. You look like your mom. You look like your dad. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. This is, again, an identifying factor for Christians. They're to be known by their love. These are the people that are crazy enough to love their enemies, crazy enough to pray for those who persecute them. These people are weird. These people stick out. That's what Jesus was talking about. Who else do you know that's going to stop and pray for that person that, that is mean to them, who is an enemy that they could clearly describe as an enemy? These people are nuts. They're different. It says, but this is what God is like. It says, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God, the way that he shows his love, the way that he shows his grace is he continues to send the sun on the entire planet, the rain on the entire planet. He does not pick and choose and select who he will love and who he will not love. John 3.16, the sign, hold it up, for God so loved who? <clears throat> not just Len and me. Len and I think, who else you need to love? But God says, for God so loved the world, so much so that he died for it, is what it boils down to. That's why he's different. That's why Christians are to be different. That's why that's our identity. He says, it's interesting, for if you love those who love you, <clears throat> What reward do you have? It's easy to love our kids, you know? It's easy to love my dog. I can even be mean to my dog, and he still comes running back like an idiot. You know, happy to see me every time. I just kicked you yesterday, and he's right back. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? What challenge is there in that? The world does that. The world loves those that love them. There's clubs for all these people that are like-minded and love all the same things. You know, sign up here. You know, we're going to select this group of people. We love those who love us. But Jesus says, believers are different. Don't even the tax collectors do the same. And in that period of time, those are the people that they hated the most. Okay? Not much has changed today, right? And so, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? That's not love. That's a a piece of love, but that's not pure love. That's not the love that I'm talking about. That's not the love that describes me, God would say. 
What are you doing more than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, next slide for me. Therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And when you read that, you think, oh my goodness, there's no way I can be perfect. Well, there's good news. That word in the original Greek means complete. But even still, perfect, complete. Man, through the work of the Holy Spirit, through God in our lives, we are and are becoming those people because of Jesus. That is what our identity is supposed to be. You see, as you consider those, those passages that we read, we really don't, we don't decide who is worthy of our love, right? We don't pick and choose and say, this group of people I will love, this, cho- this group of people are my enemies, and I will hate them. I will treat them differently. <clears throat> as a Christian, as our identity in Christ, as lovers of God, as, as people that are marked by love, we don't have that option. You don't have the choice to say, I'm going to love this person, but not love this other person. That this is the group I will spend time with, and this other group I'm going to have nothing to do with, and I will slight them. We don't have the option to do that. Jesus had a heart of love even for the people who had nailed him on the cross. What did he say as he's standing up, as he's he's up there? He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. They have no idea. They don't see it. They don't get it. And maybe it's easier for us to understand and to love these other people. We realize there's a blindness there as well, that they don't see the God of all creation. Jesus' love was amazing, even as he's being nailed to the cross. That's why we hear Jesus also teaching these kinds of things. He says to us as believers to be people that turn the other cheek. We don't want to turn the other cheek. We want to get even. At least that's me. I want to strike back. You know, it's like the typical movie where this guy's down and out and all these horrible things have happened to him and then these people attack here and they attack there and then the moment comes for revenge. And what do we do? On the inside, we're just kind of like, yeah! You know, now's the time. Like one of those, what, Nielsen, what the guy's name is, movies where he just comes back and what's the guy's name? Liam Neal. Nielsen, just Neeson, you guys know I'm talking about, LN, we'll just shorten it. He comes back and he starts ripping walls down and killing people and shooting them and throwing them over boats and and telling them, you know, I told you that I would be here and I told you I would get even. We don't have that option. That is not what love looks like. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. He says, walk the extra mile. Go further. Don't just do what's required. Go beyond that. Don't just turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek and then go further. That's why love sticks out because, again, people are thinking, you're nuts. You're crazy. Why would you do that? Everybody else would come after me. Everybody else would say nasty things back. Everybody else would strike back. They would hit back. But Jesus says you're different. This is what love love looks like, turning the other cheek, walking the extra mile. It says giving up your cloak. And the cloak was kind of the main thing that they had, giving the very shirt off your back, so to speak. You give it up. Someone asked for it. The other thing he says is to lend, expecting nothing in return. 
Do we do that? No. Sometimes not even parents to their kids. Okay, I'll give you the money for this, but you're going to pay me back. And just so you know how the world works, you're going to pay me back with interest. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You want to teach your kids to understand and, and understand respect and how the world works and all that kind of stuff. And you teach them to be mature. <laughs> but the whole aspect, think about it, of lending and not getting something back. Do you lend without expecting it back? No, because you're like, I ain't going to give it to you if you're not going to give it back to me. I'm not going to lend even my neighbor my tools if I know that they're just going to put them in their garage like last time and I'm not going to see them ever again. And then Jesus says, if you're going to lend without expecting it back, you don't lend with his grudging heart either like, you know? It's this aspect of turning the other cheek, walking the extra mile, giving up your cloak, lending and expecting nothing in return. And you know, the world, when they see this, they look at that kind of thing and they see it as a weakness. Oh, well, look at you, you big baby. You're just letting them walk right over you, aren't you? You're letting them take advantage of you. You're giving them everything that they want. So the world sees it as a weakness, but Jesus says that this is a strength. Because Jesus has a different perspective on life than we do. A much different perspective. It's a different kind of love than the world knows. But as we continue on this journey through the next few weeks, as we, as we talk about love, <coughs> we cannot take for granted how truly difficult it is. Love and showing what we just talked about is extremely tough. And I want to go ahead and acknowledge that today and say that, we, that it's difficult. And as we look at probably one of the greatest definitions of love in 1 Corinthians, you can't not read that verse in a, in a series on love. You, I want us to look at it with fresh eyes. There's a really neat quote that, from a guy named G.K. Chesterton thinking about how difficult this is, and he says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. If you're like me, you need to hear things a couple times. Let me read it again. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Now, if you really consider all the things that Jesus says in your mind or when you're by yourself or when you're on the way home and you're not around the Christian church for all that positive peer pressure around your, your spouse or whatever, you know, in your mind you're still thinking, yes, and then there's a but. Yeah, but. But you don't know this situation. Yeah, but. So it's, it's not even tried, or it's just kind of half-heartedly tried. I don't want to really go through that. I don't want to truly go through that change, through those difficulties. It's tough. Because this is how love is also described in the Bible. <clears throat> love is, what's the first one? Anybody know it? Love is what? Love is patient. Love is is patient. We could stop there and we'd already probably go through an eternity trying to measure up. Love is patient. On the way here, Dennis, Dennis and I are driving to church this morning 
and I'm going down the road, and this guy just, just flies in and just cuts me off. And when I say to Dennis, I look at him, this, it's this black truck, and the, the back tailgate of the truck is like all dented in like someone just rear-ended him. You know? And so I say to Dennis, I'm like, well, I know exactly how he got that in his truck. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, you know. <laughs> and so we, we go a little further down the road. I'm like, you know, Dennis, I said, you know, I've got, I'm preaching on love today. I said, what's the first description of love? It's like, well, you know, we talk about it. It's about patience. And I'm like, geez, this is just, it's already hitting me on the way in. And as soon as I finish saying that, we go over the hill, and the next song comes on the radio. And it's this old Guns N' Roses song. All we need is just a little patience by Guns N' Roses. Sorry, I, my whistle was a little off this morning. But... <coughs> So Dennis and I was like, well, the Lord is really speaking strong this morning, and he's using guns and roses. All we need is a little patience. So it says this in, in, this, in this verse, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. And again, that's a, that's a huge thing. We could stop there and spend forever. Love is patient. Love is kind. I hate going through this passage too quickly because there's all these descriptors that just we have to plug into our life. When you read scripture, do you stop and you think, all right, am I patient? Was I patient in this scenario, in this situation? Was I kind? Love does not, love does not envy or boast. As we go through, maybe you can check off some boxes like, I'm okay here, I'm okay there. But there's always going to be some that smack you right upside the face. It says it's not arrogant or rude. And this one right here, I think, at one point or another, will really get us in trouble. It does not insist on its own way. It does not insist on its own way. We may not always show that insistence out loud, but on the inside, we have this insistence that things will be our way, don't we? This is the way it has to be. This is my perspective, and I know it's right, and everyone else is wrong. It does not insist on its own way, it says, and it's not irritable or resentful. As you go through this kind of thing, and you understand what love is supposed to be like, you're like, Lord, is there anything left? Can't I just get ticked off? Can't I be impatient sometimes? Can't I, you know, have my way on my birthday? It's my birthday. Can't, you know? It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, it says, but it rejoices with the truth. And then God has to say some more sweeping things like this. Love bears all things. Love bears it. It handles it. It puts up with it. Puts up with it. It's probably not the best way of saying it because of all the stuff that comes before because it's part of being patient. It's part of being kind not envying, not wanting your own way. And so the bearing up at this point is a little bit different, okay? It's done in love. So it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
It endures all things. And if that wasn't bad enough, I saw a different understanding of this last part of love that really just caught me blindsided. I've always read the NIV and other versions, and it always says love never fails. But one of the things you have to understand about the Greek language and about Hebrew in particular is there's a lot of facets to things, a lot of perspectives with it. When you, when you share a word, it's not always as simple. It's kind of broad sweeping in some ways. There are different aspects to it, like love is a prime example. But it says the very last thing in this particular version in ESV, love never ends. Now, before you think of that as a negative thing, you've got to realize that, that we're talking about how the Lord loves us too. But it's not like your patience gets to end. All right, I can do this for a while. And then whew, I can just be mean again. Whew. You know, I can finally get even. I was, I, was, I was loving. I was 1 Corinthians 13 in church. And now that I'm home, I can just be myself. Like, Wait a minute. Is that who I am? never ends. It never ends and it never fails. All these things, when you mix that recipe together for love, <clears throat> it's incredible. This morning, the question is this, is do these things describe you? Is that you? Is that your identity? Are you patient? Are you, are you all these things? Keep that up on the screen for me, Dennis. And maybe they describe you sometimes, but when I look at my life, they, they're not consistent. And when things aren't consistent, people look at you and they look at who you are and what, you, what your identity is, and they get confused. And that's what we have with the church many times, is a lot of times people see it, and sometimes they don't. Like, who really is the church? Who really is this person? When you think about all these things, love, again, it, it gives up everything. Love, really, when it boils down, is about total surrender. There are some parts about it that I'm like, yeah, yeah, but then I really want my way. Or I want to lend knowing, knowing I'm going to get this back. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to turn the other cheek. I'm not gonna, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But literally, love just kind of clears the deck. It's a raising of the hands. It's complete and total surrender. You can only love, I believe, too, if Jesus is in complete control in your life. You're placing all your faith, you're placing all your trust in him, because otherwise you give in to what the rest of the world says, that you're just weak and you're crazy. People don't act like this. But this is what love is, according to what the Bible has to say. <clears throat> Another point, and the fact that love never ends, that it never fails, is, you know, you think about it, we don't love our kids until... We don't love our kids until they break something. We don't love our kids until they make a mess. And Jesus has the same kind of love and grace for us. He doesn't just love us until, well, you know, Brad was doing great until, so I don't love him anymore. That's not true. His love is unfailing. His love is unending. And he basically says, this is who I am, 
And because you're my children, this is who you are to be as well. To wrap things up this morning, one of the things I want to share with you is I skipped over the first part of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, this is how it all actually begins. Some of you are thinking, I've done some good things, I've done some great stuff, I love my kids, I'm doing okay at work, or you know, I'm going, I'm going to the nursing home today so I can check that off. Jesus loves me, I'm, I'm getting some good stuff done, I've gone on a mission trip, I've done this, I've done that. Whatever, whatever it is that you have, <clears throat> this is such an interesting thing because it says this. Jesus says, tells us in Scripture, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. This is talking about, prior to this verse, all these spiritual gifts and talents and things that God's given you. It says you can do this, you can speak in the tongues of men and angels, but if you have not love, it's just noise. It's just a clanging symbol. It's just irritating. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and you're thinking, man, I want to know that person and, and pick their brain and understand. If I know this person, even knowing all these great things from whoever your favorite preacher, teacher, author, book, whatever it is, it says, if I have all faith so as to remove, to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. The thing is, though, we read this kind of stuff, but do you really believe that? No, I think, I think what I did the other day was still great, even if I wasn't doing it out of love. That person irritated the crap out of me, and he irritates everybody else, but you know what? I gave him the last slice of pizza. I went over, and I was loving to that person, or at least on the outside. I did the right thing. No one else can see in here, but, you know, but God does. So, again, all these great things, but without love, it's nothing. Do you think Jesus is serious about this? Do you think it matters? <clears throat> you know, if I just kind of bite my tongue rather than respond to that person, I don't say it, but on the inside, I'm like raging. Do I still get credit? Do I still get my gold star? If I do all these things but have not love, say it with me, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, (coughs) there's nothing left, right? But have not love, I gain nothing. Love is pretty important, isn't it? The thing is here is that our motivation matters. What happens in the heart, what happens on the inside matters, because quite honestly, that's the part that God's looking at. That's the part that he probably cares about the most is, what are you truly like on the inside? What kind of person are you? Let me tell you how motivation matters. Have you ever been in a situation when you're a little kid and you got into an argument, maybe with your brother or sister or a friend in the neighborhood, and and you get back, and your mom says, Now, Chris, you tell him that you're sorry. Have you ever been in this situation? You're being forced to do the right thing, but you're like, I'm not sorry. You didn't see what he did to me. He threw dirt in my eye. 
And then I punched him in the face. I am not sorry. And then that whole thing can go back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, because your mom twisted your arm and said, you're not, you know, you got to do the right thing. You know, oh, I'm sorry. And people on the other side can tell, too, can't they? And you probably had that go back and forth. Well, you didn't mean it. And how do they know you meant it? They can't really see, but they can kind of sense it. Motivation matters. God says that without love, it's pointless. It's empty. It's nothing. Maybe as you read these today, you're struggling with it, and you think, man, there's going to come a time where we truly see, we truly understand the way that God sees it and understands. The last part of 1 Corinthians 13 Verse 12 and 13 is pretty awesome. Do I have that one in the computer, Dennis? Can you put it up for me? So it says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. We're not looking straight on. We're kind of even just seeing a reflection of these truths that God has given us. But there's going to come a time, however it says, but then face to face we will look at love himself. Love isn't just a characteristic of God. It says God is love. That's mind-blowing right there. So now I know in part, we know a little bit, we see what Scripture has to say, and we're struggling to do this. But he says, but then I shall know fully. It's going to come a time that you really see it all, and it says, even as I have been fully known. Jesus looks at us and he knows everything there is about us. He knows what it is, what it is that causes you to, to struggle with the, with the patience aspect or with the aspect of wanting your own way and all these things. He knows us fully, which is why as we make this our struggle to, to truly be loving people, that we go to him by the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to give us a patient a kind, an unselfish, a loving heart. He says, so now faith, out of all these other kind of things we think is important, now these are what's going to remain. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three things. But it says, but the greatest of these, out of everything else, the greatest of these is love. It's who we are. It's our identity. And I encourage you this week to, to claim your identity, to be who you really are. This week, I want to encourage you every day, pull up 1 Corinthians 13. Just read through it. Keep it afresh. Keep it on your mind and pray about it. That's, that's my challenge for you this week. Lord, let me be patient today. Make you know, play some more Guns N' Roses for me. Give me some stuff. Help me with this issue. And a lot of you are scared to pray for patience, okay? I have been one of those people because what God typically does is he gives you opportunities to practice. All of a sudden, there's nothing but a whole bunch of black trucks in front of me that want to swerve in, swerve out. And, you know, we want to we wrestle. That, that, that wrestling that's what I mean. That kind of stuff has to be surrendered. 
It's, it's you wanting your own way. I want clear road with no cars on it. It's not going to happen. But I can give up that want. I can give up that desire to, to, slow, to want to go fast, to be unencumbered. I can give up that desire to want to keep all these things to myself. You know, I can... It's, tur- it's turning off the selfishness and giving yourself up completely. That's, that's the foundation for truly loving. Would you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> Lord, in the month of February, we have to talk about love. It's who we are according to you. This is our identity. Lord, are we people that turn the other cheek, people that walk the extra mile, people that lend without expecting things back? Are we patient? Are we kind? Are we, are we unselfish? Are we, are we all these things? Lord, I think without a doubt we can say that if we were like that, it would be awesome. Lord, truly help us to be loving like you are. Work in our hearts. Give us the right motivation. Work in our lives to make us the people you've called us to be. Let, let our family step back after a while and realize, holy crow, what's going on with you? Lord, we want to be more like you. We want to love the way that you love us. Show us how to do that. Give us the strength by the power of your Holy Spirit that lives within us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.